What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Potter Podcast, where you will find knowledge, resources, and information on everything real estate related. We are happy to have you join us today. And without further ado, let's jump into our topic and discussion for today. Hey guys, welcome back to the Potter Podcast. I just want to take this time and thank you guys for uh, continuing to reach out to me, letting me know what you would like me to discuss by sending me stuff through social media and text and all that kind of stuff so I can cover topics that relate to you. And without further ado, I want to get into uh, this question today, which is do I have to sell to the person with the highest offer? So if you are a seller and you're thinking about that question or wondering what the answer is, I'm going to get into that. And then I'm also going to get into um, if I accept an offer and I get a better offer later on down the road, can I go back to that first offer and cancel it and then accept the new offer? So let's get in and let's get after this. Hey guys, what's up? Today we are going to be talking about a couple questions and uh, this deals with uh, the seller actually and it could potentially deal with the buyer as we move into the second part of the question. But the first question that I want to address that seems to get brought up a lot, especially in our market uh, as we deal with multiple offers and things that are coming in on our listings. Um, and that question is this, do I have to sell to the person with the highest offer? Now, this can be a very debatable topic and um, there can be a lot of answers to this question, but the short answer is no. No, you do not have to sell to the person with the highest offer. In fact, you don't have to sell to anyone. Um, so remember that it's always in your hands, right? As the seller and as you're getting ready to uh, make a decision on whether or not you want to agree to um, a contract or not. First of all, you don't have to agree to any contract. It doesn't matter if you get uh, 18 offers and on the house, if you don't like any of them, uh, you don't have to accept any of those offers or counter any of those offers. You can keep your house on the market or you can take it off. You're the seller. You have the right to do that. Um, you know, obviously, I wouldn't highly recommend doing that, especially if you had 18 offers on the table. Um, but you don't have to accept any offers. So I just want to make that clear as we dive into this. Um, and then the next thing that I want to talk about is um, it doesn't always come down to price, does it? Right? You know, sometimes it comes down to what the financing options are, right? So let's, for example, say that uh, my house is listed for $200,000 and I've got five listings on the property, five listings on the property. I've got one listing on the property and I've got five offers on the property, right? And let's say that um, as I'm looking through those offers, I have two of them that are conventional loans and I have another one that's an FHA loan, another one that's a VA loan, and I have another one that's a cash, um, all cash deal, right? And let's say that the highest offer is my VA loan, and that's at you know uh, two hundred and fifteen thousand. And then my next one is a conventional, and that's at two hundred thirteen thousand. And then my next one is let's say two hundred nine thousand, just for the sake of this, and it's an all cash offer. Which offer do you think is the best offer to take? Now I know some of you want to right away go, well, duh, like the cash offer. Let's you'd want to go with that, even though it might be six thousand dollars less. Um, the cash offer might be the best option, but not necessarily because there's other contingencies and stipulations within that contract, right? So a lot of things that I like to educate people on is it all depends, right? Because when you look at the dollar amount, sometimes the dollar amount doesn't necessarily mean that that's the best offer to go with. So just because it might be the highest offer doesn't mean that there might be some other contingencies that are involved with that offer 
that probably don't make the most sense for you to accept that offer unless you counter some of those things out. So that's why it's important to have an agent who knows, uh, one, what the verbiage is in the entire contract, but two, knows how to walk you through um, all the other offers that are on the table or the one offer that is on the table and whether or not you should accept it or not. Um, so it's important to understand that price is not always um, the answer to uh, deciding which offer you should go with best. What you should do and what I always advise my people is what's in the best interest of my seller if I'm representing that seller, right? So I'm going to know things such as do they have to sell this house in order to purchase a new one or have they written up on another house and do they need the funds from this house to basically help go towards that or um, do they want a specific closing date? Maybe they have to be out of the house at a certain time um, or into the new house at a certain time. So closing date might be something you look at as far as well, who's got the, the best closing date and who wants to close the soonest, right? You know, so there's all sorts of different things that you need to look at and know about, um, especially as you're a seller and as we as agents are representing our sellers is what's the in the best interest of my client, right? Because not always is that going to be the highest um, offer that's on the table, um, even though that a lot of people might think that. Um, there's sometimes where you might have the highest offer on the table as, for, as far as the the price that's being offered. But for example, like we said in this last one, say you've got a $200,000 house that's being listed and you get the, the $213,000 offer. But what if they want 5,000 in closing costs to be paid for from the seller to the buyer's closing costs? Well, now that offer isn't 213,000, right? It's five grand less than that. So now that offers 208,000. So there's a lot of things, again, you know, don't let that price um, affect the way that you make your decision um, necessarily because sometimes it could be a little teaser um, or there may be some more contingencies and things to look at before you're just jumping at that first option. Um, so again, it's just knowing uh, what exactly is being asked for throughout that entire purchase contract and not just looking at uh, the highest offer and who is willing to go that route. What I will say as well, and I've covered this before, is another thing you want to think about, especially in this market when we're getting multiple offers, um, is the fact that your house may not appraise for that highest um, that highest price offer. So in my case, in the example that I keep going back to, so let's say that person that did offer two hundred and fifteen thousand, and you elected to go with that offer. Um, what if the property only appraises for two hundred five thousand? Well, now you as the seller are going to go back in negotiation with the buyer. And in most cases, you're going to be selling that house to the seller or to the buyer uh, for 205000 And now that offer at two hundred fifteen doesn't look so sexy now that you're dropping it down to two hundred five. Um, again, what I always tell my sellers is this, hey, our job is to get you the highest and best offer that we possibly can for your house. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to come in at list price or above list price, but whatever a buyer is willing to pay for your house is something you need to consider, right? So not all the time is the list price uh, the right price to be at, um, but it's what is a buyer willing to pay for your pay for your house and uh, what are you willing to negotiate to? Um, so just being realistic in that area as well, but then reverting back to the appraisal is just understanding that you know just because we get you the highest price for your house, we still have to go through the appraisal phase unless it's a cash offer, right? So that's why that 
that sexy cash offer is always good to have because it may be coming in 6,000, 5,000, 4,000, whatever it is below what your other highest offers are. But if someone's paying cash, they don't have to get an appraisal done because they know that they're not going to be going through a lender or a bank to have to get that approval rate or value for that house. They just want to buy the house. So I would say in that situation, it's like in most cases, hey, that cash offer looks pretty good. Um, I would highly recommend taking that, you know, just so you don't have to deal with the headache of waiting for an appraisal to come back and hoping and praying that it comes back at the price that was agreed upon. So I hope that kind of clears that up for you when it comes to um, the highest offer and what you can be thinking there. Then Now, the next question that um, I want to get into is the other question that usually takes place after this, right, is um, can I back out of an offer if I have a buyer um, that has accepted or that has offered a new higher offer from a second buyer? So let me re- reiterate that and maybe explain it a little bit differently. So let's say that we, uh, we get together or you get together on um, a house, you got multiple offers, right? And you accepted an offer and, uh, and then you keep it on the market for backup offers only, right? And then there's this other offer that comes in and it's way better or it looks uh, a little bit more enticing than the offer that you've agreed to. Can you back out of the previous offer and can you go into uh, a, that and offer that and accept that, that new offer? The answer is no. Um, I mean, you can, I, let me, let me back up a little bit. Um, you could, but you could be a potential of, uh, going to court and dealing with attorneys and legal issues and things like that. Again, you can do whatever you want. Um, but it wouldn't be highly advised to do that because once you sign the dotted line on any contract, you are in a binding contract. So legally you are in a binding contract with that other party once you sign off on it. So just because a new offer comes in later on down the road, is you you can keep that as a backup offer in case something were to fall through with the current buyer and the contract that you've signed off on. But I would never recommend or, or ever suggest uh, trying to get out of that first binding contract because you're going to pay way more in fees and attorneys and things like that, and it can get really messy. Um, and for more information on that, it would probably be advised to talk to an attorney. Um, again, I'm a real estate agent. I'm not an attorney, but I can tell you from what I've seen in years past and things that have come up in that, uh, not in my current situation, thank God, but things and stories that I've heard within our office and in other offices, um, and things that people have had to deal with. Um, it's not a fun situation to be in. Um, and it, it can go down the road of getting really, really messy and then nobody's happy, right? Because people are just paying fees and fees and fees. And uh, at the end of the day, there's not a whole lot of people that are happy when you go through that. Um, so I would highly suggest not um, going down that route. But it's a good question to ask because a lot of people don't know the answer to that. Um, so again, I want to reiterate that if you're uh, looking at offers and you're looking at finding out what the best offer is for you and you agree upon those offers and you sign off, um, you don't want to be enticed or anything like that moving forward with a better offer and making you think like, oh, maybe we should have waited. Maybe we should have done this. Well, no, just you, you agreed to the agreement that you made with this other party and you owe that to them and let your yes be yes and your no be no. Um, and so if you accepted an offer that you didn't think was very good at the time, then maybe you should have never accepted that offer. So again, make sure that you understand 
what it is that you're signing off on and agreeing to and knowing that if anything does come in down the road that it's going to be used as a backup offer if if that other party is is willing to let you use that offer as a backup offer and if something were to fall through on the current offer um, then exactly you can go right back to them so then that moves me into the next question right so let's say that we are in that situation let's say that we've agreed to terms on a current contract and we have elected to keep the house on the market for backup offers only and somebody writes a backup offer and let's say that uh, these first buyers come through the house and they have an inspection done or uh, and they decide that hey you know what we're just not satisfied with the inspection Uh, there's a couple things here that came up and we're going to walk away right Um, so this is just one example but in this case let's say that the buyers walk away and now we have this backup offer on the table there's the first thing that you want to do right away is in that situation you want to get yourself a release of the purchase contract so what i mean by that is you want to be released from that first contract again you're in a binding contract so if somebody's going to walk away Usually you're going to have the inspection resolution addendum um, and there's going to be a box there that the buyer signs stating that, you know, they're unsatisfied with the inspection. They're, they're walking away, blah, blah, blah. Um, But you also want to get um, a release from the purchase contract signed by both parties as well. So everybody's on the same page knowing, Hey, both parties have agreed that this contract is now null and void and we're no longer in a binding contract, right? Then, that's when you can go back to the other party that has this backup offer and say, hey, some things fell through. We would love to negotiate and work out a deal with your buyers if they are still interested. And then you can go down that route. So again, there's a lot of things that basically um, can take place throughout a transaction. I hope you guys are learning a little bit here of everything that we do on a daily basis, right? There's a lot of things that a lot of people don't know um, that we're dealing with uh, even after we get together on the contract. There's a lot of stuff that can come up. There's a lot of stuff that um, backup plans and things like that that we have in our back pockets, at least some of us good agents do, um, as far as creating plans when things don't always necessarily go as planned, right? Um, So I would rather be prepared than scared. Um, I like saying that a little bit. I got that from a shout out, Jared James, uh, one of my coaches. Um, but I would rather be prepared than scared, right? So like I would rather go into a contract and know that, Hey, yeah, we've got something that's under contract and we're in a legal binding contract, but guess what? If something were to fall through, here's our backup plan. Here's what we have and here's what we've done in the past. And so this is why we're doing these things. And you set forth those expectations So then again, it creates that trust between the client and the realtor, knowing that, hey, my realtor's got my back no matter what. If this thing falls apart, he's got a plan. If this thing stays together or if this thing runs into a couple bumps, here's what he's going to do or she's going to do to help me get through that, right? So again, it's just, uh, I can't reiterate this enough that like you want to find an agent that you know is looking out for your best interests, that's someone you can trust. And not just a stranger that you're finding on Google or somewhere else that you're saying, oh, well, this person looks great. I don't really know them. But read some reviews. Talk to some people that have used them. Figure out if this is the right fit for you before you jump in and make a decision on having someone represent you. And then come to find out they're not looking out for your best interests. So 
Um, hopefully that will uh, encourage you guys a little bit on some of those questions um, that I addressed earlier. If you guys have any more questions or can think of anything that I haven't covered yet, um, again, like I said, feel free to reach out to me, DM me, um, reach out to me on social media, text me. I don't care whatever it is. Um, I want to cover those topics that you guys and those questions that you guys have, um, in order to better, um, help you out as you move forward in the process that you are moving in. And even if you're just curious about things, I'm more than happy to sit down and discuss those on another episode. So thanks guys with that. Have a great day. Hope this has answered your questions. I look forward to hearing from you. As always, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in to the Potter Podcast. To learn more about how you can connect with me, check out my website, potterpodcast.com. And there you can connect with me on my social media platforms. Until next time, stay hungry, work hard, dream big, and always stay humble. Talk to you soon.